you're entering into a new dimension. The place is here. The time is now. And the trip into the shadows they were about to witness will be our journey. Up there, up there in the vastness of the warehouse, in the void that is management, up there change is occurring. It's been waiting, waiting with the patience of a Nick Marcakis at bat, forever waiting to be utilized internationally. This is the Birdland Zone. Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for basis opinion. Today is July 30th, 2018. This is episode 247. My name is Scott Magnus. And I'm Jake English. And on this week's show, we're going to go ahead and uh, talk to someone that actually knows what's going on in Birdland, because it certainly ain't us. We'll also uh, dust out the pens, make sure they're all linked up, and write a few thank you notes. Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of departed people, so we have to thank them. And we'll do that right after we lubricate for the show. It's time for the drink of the week. Jake, what are you imbibing on this evening? All right, so not right this moment, but uh, today I had a rare day off on a Monday, and I was able to go out with uh, Mrs. Uh, Jake English uh, of Bird's Eye View, and we— uh, Is she off for the summer? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe a little bit. Maybe. No, she's with our kids. That's not a vacation. Uh, anyway, grapefruit crushes all afternoon. Oh, okay. There are much, much worse days. To spend time. Uh, so my drink of the week, the Grapefruit Crush. Gotcha. And uh, and you? I'm doing a dogfish head uh, oak-aged uh, smishish shrew. Because mm, okay. I, I don't want to bleep out the whole thing. Up, yeah. Right? Uh, so, uh, yeah. Um, very heavy smoky notes. Heavy chocolate aspect. Everything that Jake hates in beer is within this one beverage. Well, if you want to tell me exactly how much your beer is better than mine, come find me on Untapped. Drink socially with us. I'm at Jake E4025. And even in Aruba, I was able to see Jake drinking a Bud Light on the podcast last <laughs> hey, week. That's a Budweiser. A Budweiser? Budweiser. It's a, it's a fantastic German beverage. Yeah, well, you can find out what I'm drinking at MAGN8606. This is weird. Okay. This is strange. This is odd. Uh-huh. The whistle is still on the table. Yes. The last time we were doing this, it was the bevies. Who are you, and what is this? Well, the issue is, uh, this is why I'm drinking something a little bit different. You know, my vocal stylings are gone until next year, so uh, perhaps I need a checkup in the process. Yes, uh, medical wing. You know, they're not that hurt. They're really not that hurt. Um, only big one on the docket really right now that it has any updates whatsoever is Craig Gentry, who is not beginning his rehab assignments as the Orioles expected, um, and it's been pushed back a little bit. they got to rush this guy back to the majors if they're going to compete in the second half. They have got to do it. Except they don't. No, they, they don't. There really is nothing else kind of looming in the medical wing. It's very ho-hum is the best way to describe it. I don't think that's fair, Scott. I think the team is a little ho-hum, gotcha. and therefore they have a medical wing to match. Gotcha. Well, let's go to 280 characters or less this week on the Twitters. First tweet comes from our good friend, Charlie Hoppus, formerly of the defunct Oriole Spastics. I like to think that much like the program... They're just on hiatus until they come back on Netflix. That's true. That's true. I'd love to see Charlie on Netflix. Charlie can be found at Charlie's. I'm sorry. Charles Hoppus, not Charlie. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Our little Charlie's all grown up on Twitter. 
And uh, he tweets as following to uh, a tweet from SB Nation saying a deal between the Yankees and Orioles for Burton has been reportedly almost done. And he tweets, I hurt myself today to see if I still feel. I focus on the pain, the only thing that's real. Nice. Yeah, no problem. Nice. Yeah. A reference, of course, to the staggeringly, hauntingly beautiful vo- uh, vocal stylings of, of Johnny Cash. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or ne- Scott Magnus. <laughs> or Scott Magnus. Yes. Uh, next one's a twofer. All right. It is a response. <laughs> Never listen. Never listen. It is a re- call and response here. So the original tweet uh, was from Lila Shapiro Sear. I strangely feel sadder about Britain than about Manny. To me, there was something special about the way he helped bring us out of the dark ages, and we helped bring him out of one of his own dark ages. Justin Fenton, uh, who tweets, of course, at Justin underscore Fenton, replied, This season has the feel of a college team with all the seniors graduating. Appreciative of what they've done, understand they've got to go and wish them well, hoping for the best from the next wave. That's That kind of feels that way. Yeah, it does kind of feel that way, except no one stays to senior year in college. No, no one does. No. All right, next one goes into the category of, this sounds rough. Oh, my. Oh, my. And this comes from a tweet from Baltimore Davy. Uh, you can follow him at Baltimore Davy. Stuck at Oriole Park at Cannon Yard was a ton of wet dogs. Sent help. Of course, this is the bark at the park night that proceeded to get rained out in the second inning, I believe it was. Yeah. 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 It was uh, woof. Oof. Oh, my. <laughs> All right. The next tweet we have is from Will Franklin, who tweets, I'll at- just go ahead and roll over and die now. <laughs> Man. Look, heel. Be- heel. I'm begging for a joke here. Uh, C will tweet. Regardless of what happens when at simply AJ10 is ready to hang up his cleats, at Food Network needs to immediately give him a show. Doesn't matter what it's about, but I think a road show with Adam and Wayne Kirby just eating and talking baseball would be awesome. Yes. And if it's not the Food Network, then MLB, somebody has got to get right on that. That's a fantastic idea. I think it should be in the style of Chopped. And I think it should be Adam Jones, Wayne Kirby, and Buck Showalter all going around and basically making various decisions about local cuisine. I think that they should have to go to weird local cuisine and eat just goofy stuff. So it'll be like minor league buffets. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right. uh, Like the Orioles, a minor league buffet. Next one comes from John Mioli. uh, And this one goes into the category of what the heck is this person talking about? Uh, Buck Showalter, who's on the competition committee, said there's a chance shift will be outlawed next year with two infielders on each side. Buck quotes as follows. I know Chris Davis would like that. Hashtag Orioles. I don't see how the shift is going to improve a 38% K rate. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Do you see how Buck Showalter might just like to mess with us? Are you saying that Buck Showalter is the ultimate troll? Yes. Okay. And the next one tweet that we're going to go into is the vocal stylings of Dan Zembrowski. And he was responding in regards to the Orioles finally going out and uh, acquiring some international slot money. So uh, there's a reference here, Jake, um, and it's to a musical selection. I was wondering if you may be so inclined to uh, maybe sing us a, a, a few notes. Would that be okay with you? I, I prefer to think that I'm going to read it as Dan intended. Oh, okay. We can do that. All right. Let's, let's give this a shot. They say Pete Angelos yielded his power, got slot money today. Is that true? I wasn't aware that was something a person could do. I'm perplexed. Will they be run like it is 2018? If so, what's next? Maybe Dan Zimborski won't have to be quite as mean. That was pretty good. It's pretty good. I have a confession to make. Yeah. I haven't actually listened to the Hamilton soundtrack before, so I didn't get the reference until you put it in the show notes. So. Are you going to now go back and listen to the Hamilton sound set? Absolutely. Yeah. It pretty much mirrors everything that you love, musical theater and political history. Yeah. 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 That, yeah. That's that's a problem with me and not with anyone else. Absolutely. But that's a good reference, Dan. Well done. Well done. Well done. Uh, final tweet comes from uh, Phil at I underscore M underscore PJs. Apparently, he's a pair of pajamas. Uh, so Phil uh, tweets as follows. 
Looking forward to Bird's Eye View Baltimore, BAL, tomorrow. I'm assuming the guys will be explaining to us what the heck is going on in Birdland, as I'm sure I have no idea. Well, Phil, we are here to once again disappoint you and our audience by once again saying we have no idea. Again, we are the lack of insight and basis opinion. So we are going to continue to ramble on and basically proliferate on absolutely nothing for the next hour and waste your time. Uh, how's the season going? Well, I don't, let's, let's review. Uh, cold opening, reference to an old show, uh, musical theater readings of tweets. Yeah, season's going great, Phil. What are you people doing with your lives still listening to us? <laughs> what are we doing? What are we with doing? Our lives? Yes. You know, we could get someone in potentially that has a little bit more insight to what may be going on. That doesn't sound like our style, but I'm willing to give it a shot. All right. Well, let's bring in a so-called expert, as it were, and see what he has to say. Given the year that 2018 has been, this past week has certainly been the most intriguing, both on and off the field. We're idiots, we don't know anything about it, and so we've asked John Mioli from the Baltimore Sun to come back to the program and explain to us just what the heck is going on. John, welcome back, and thanks for joining us on Bird's Eye View. My pleasure, thanks for having me, guys. Now, before we do anything, the most important question I have for you is this, what is your drink of the week? Oh, my drink of the week... Oh, I remember getting stumped on this one last time. <laughs> Darn, I should have prepared. I should Tears, have prepared John. better. Tears. Um, well, yeah, well, we're going to, uh, once we're done with this, we're going to resume uh, catching up on The Bachelorette here at uh, here at my house, and I'm going to do that with a nice medium-sized glass of just cheap Canadian club whiskey. So that's going to be the drink of the week as it is every week of my life. Is The Bachelorette a big thing within, like, the Orioles clubhouse by chance? No. Okay. I don't uh because apparently it's like I haven't big, really I haven't really checked. I know that it's big, yeah. Because with Raven, you're gonna say the, the Ravens. Ravens it is. Yeah, yeah. I used to talk Ravens with those like some of those guys or Bachelor franchise with some of those guys when I covered that team. But it's one of those things. It's also like it could be like a funny like little conversation that you have with someone you see like once a week in football. Whereas like something like that that might not be as well received, considering you see all these baseball players and people around there on a daily basis. You kind of keep that one close to the vest small conversations it's like uh an orioles podcast basically during 2018 gotcha i gotta be honest i'm a little disappointed that you're not you know asking the hard-hitting questions like that what 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 are you there for if not to ask about the bachelor or the bachelorette i don't know i just feel i feel like tv schedules are more conducive to like a football life because they're home at a reasonable hour like baseball it's, it's a struggle for me as someone who doesn't play and covers you know most of the home games and half the road games to catch up on television as it is. So I can't imagine people who like have to get a good night's sleep and like also need to like maybe exercise or like accomplish things during the day other than being at the ballpark like they are. I feel like it's probably pretty hard to catch up on a show like that. So I try to respect that. Well, right. John, you will always have a rose from my Sierra Birds of you. So let's move into <laughs> the questions and uh, we'll go from there. If you're not going to ask the important questions in the clubhouse, we're going to ask the important questions on Twitter, where all the important decisions get made. <laughs> there there appears to be, I, within the Orioles' Twitter community, a camp that wants the O's to build around young players like Scope, Gosman, and, and perhaps to a lesser extent, Mancini. And the other camp wants a full-on fire sale. Do you get the impression that there are matching camps within the organization? Not really. For as public as, you know, all these declarations of we're rebuilding this and we're investing in that and we're going to stop doing, you know, X, Y, and Z that made us, you know, one of the worst teams in the modern baseball era. Everything else is kind of close to the vest just because it all goes back to the same things that everyone kind of worries about, worries, wonders about with this franchise anyways, is who's going to be the, whose, whose voice is going to win in that, who's making that decision. And I think that as much as everyone wants an answer on, you know, which side of that is going to win now, that's really something that this offseason is going to illuminate because who knows who's making those decisions. I feel like if the Orioles really want to do a full-scale teardown, rebuild, you know, start from scratch and trade everything, then the Duquette-Showalter combination that 
their defining trait was maximizing every little bit of value on the major league roster doesn't really fit with that. So you bring in somebody who it does fit, and it's a nice little treat for them to get to trade a Kevin Gossman or trade a Jonathan Scope, trade a Dylan Bundy, and put their own stamp on top of the stamp that Dan Duquette and that front office made this year with these trades. Sure. The Orioles, I think, as you just alluded, haven't just been forced to admit that it's time for a rebuild, but they've been forced to examine some of their business practices that have held them back from competing with their rivals. Uh, they announced their intention to invest in the international market and the analytics department. What do you think accounts for the shift in that approach? And what do you think are the factors that will determine whether or not they're going to be successful in these areas or whether it's just lip service to a fan base about to light the torches and grab the pitchforks? Well, the first part, I think it's it's exactly that. It's you know it came from you have to say this, you have to do all this stuff. And if you look at what they're actually doing, like tangibly doing, they're doing the things that you can do, but there's still so much left out, you know, out in the open that you don't know about that it's hard to see them. It's hard to still envision how this is gonna be executed, how it's gonna play out. I mean, it's obvious if you have, you know, the worst record in baseball. And are basically a shoe in to lose 100 games by the end of July, like end of June, you're going to trade your pending free agents. Like that part is the obvious part. If you have this international signing bonus money and you don't want to trade for, you know, the Jeffrey Ramirez of the world, or you're going to use it. But this is the easy part. The execution is going to be the hard part because you're still dealing with, a, I think it's fair to say, a complicated ownership structure. You're still dealing with a place that hasn't always empowered people to carry out visions like this. You're going to be probably working with below alongside Brady Anderson, who's going to have the ear of that complicated ownership structure. So as much as all this stuff is great, all these markers are laying down saying we have to do X, Y, and Z. There's a lot that goes into executing this and it's not always successful. So it's going to be really interesting to see just how empowered whoever is executing this plan is to actually execute it. Hey, John, isn't this kind of like a deja vu situation, too? Um, you know, I think back to when Duquette was hired, and it was a similar situation where Showalter had the ear of ownership and, to a certain regard, got to somewhat pick um, who was going to basically be the general manager. If Brady Anderson is that individual that now has the ear of ownership, does that potentially scare away um, potential general manager candidates um, in the future for the Baltimore Orioles if it is not Dan Duquette or someone else? I think that it might. I think it's going to have to be more symbiotic, clearly, than what the Showalter-Duquette relationship has developed into. I mean, you have to take kind of everything, especially when you're talking about when people get asked about, you know, jobs they don't have and jobs that are held by other people, what they say. You kind of have to take all that with a grain of salt. But there's a pretty significant part of me that believes Brady Anderson when he said, oh, I wouldn't want to be like the day-to-day GM because he has his hands in a lot of things and he likes to do the things that he likes to do. And we could all be so lucky as to have a job that, you know, we can basically cherry pick our interests, our passions, and execute that the way that we want to and leave all the stuff that we don't want to do to someone else. Now, the question will be, if that's ultimately how that shakes out, who is that someone else? How willing are they going to be to say, I'm going to have to punt on, you know, I'm going to have to punt on installing a strength and conditioning program or punt on, you know, this portion of player development because Brady wants to do that, but I can run X, Y, and Z. I can run, you know, a draft. I can run free agency, stuff like that. It'll just have to be a little more agreed upon than things seem to be now. You know, fans always seem to ask the beat writers questions as if you, uh, you know, might share some sort of information uh, only because they ask for it, right? Like you guys are holding all the cards and, and dealing it out only when asked. But uh, that understood, let me just ask you this. Is it your gut that we are all trying to read too deep into the tea leaves of these moves and, you know, oh, maybe there's a change in, in ownership or management uh, philosophy in the fact that, you know, we've seen some some movement over the last couple of weeks. Do you think we as fans are reading too much into that? Or do you think that this might be seen in the future as a moment where the Orioles took a turn, you know, regardless of how extreme that turn is? I don't think that it's too much reading into it. I just think that People have to be careful of, you know, you have to take stuff at face value. You know, I go back to when Eddie Murray was around last week, and he said that he had breakfast with John Angelos this year, and he explained to him all the reasons that things have to change. Whether He said there's change coming in the organization. Now, what that means, whether it's just lip service to get someone back in the fold, I don't know. But 
combine that with, like I said, they're really only doing the obvious things. They're saying a lot of things that people are really receptive to hearing about how they have to in- invest internationally and do a better job scouting and developing players. They're saying all that stuff and that's fine, but it almost sounds like it, it just seems like they're saying these things and doing, you know, doing the obvious phase one and there's too much looming over who or what phase two, phase three, phase four is going to be and who's going to be executing it to really, to really believe that this is going to happen if that makes sense yeah so you mentioned eddie murray and the team has gone out and done this renewed relationship with eddie murray and also brooks robinson now being special assistants to the club um you you know when the first move was made with brooks robinson you know it's just like okay that's a nice little pr move and now eddie is being brought in as well and they mentioned that they're going to be around during spring training next season should we make more of this than it's just, you know, a, a PR mood to basically say, hey, we're reaching out to Orioles legends? Or is there something actually of significance here that we should be paying more light to? I'm kind of treating it as PR, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. You know, this team, I think, even though their past is built on all the things that they want to get back to, I think that, and maybe this is just because it's been so long since there's been success and it's been so bad for so long there's just such a grasping at the history and what this team was good at and has been good at. And, but we're talking about 40 years, you know, right. It's been a long time. You know, the Manny Machado trade, when Duquette kind of sprung this whole rebuild thing and all the things they have to do. Yeah. A few emails from people like, Oh, you know, back in the 1960s, you know, the Orioles did all this stuff. Like it's a shame they don't anymore. It's like a lot of people did a lot of stuff 50 years ago that they don't do anymore. Like not to say that the Orioles shouldn't get back to like having a good farm system, but, I can't imagine anywhere else that like people are so clutched onto you know world series of, of 50 years ago, just so you can, you know, just so you can shame the team. Now they don't, they don't do things perfectly. Some things they don't do well at all, but it's just, it's just the kind of interesting dynamic you're going to set up when you're saying, we need these guys back in the fold. It's Orioles history, but you're going to try to go in a pretty modern direction. And I think the team needs more modernity. I think that's a word. Then, then, you know, then patting itself on the back for having been good a very long time ago. We'll get the copy editors to clean that up. Yeah. What, what, what are those? What are those? <laughs> <laughs> so there's this whole kerfuffle going on right now, and it seems like uh, between Adam Jones and the Orioles, and no one has really come out and basically said, I'm trying to you know screw you over in the process, but there's definitely a little bit of, I'd say, resentment based off of some of the words that D- Duquette was using recently. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems, you know, Adam doesn't want to make a move to another team and basically waive his 10-5 rights. But uh, do you think we should take Adam at his word that he wants to remain here this season, not uproot his family? Or do you think this is more of a power move where he's kind of reminding the organization that he can make their lives difficult if they don't find him a preferred destination moving forward? I'm sure there's a lot of both, you know. talking. I've talked to Adam for a few of those, like, bigger picture stories this year. I talked to him about one on the anniversary of his, the contract extension, just about, you know, how things have changed around here and how things have changed around the game. And every conversation with him kind of goes back to him talking about how much he looks at the baseball landscape, the contract landscape, all those things that, you know, a player might leave to his agent. I think he pays a lot more attention to stuff like that than people might let on. And, you could see a world, I can certainly see a world where Adam Jones has kind of surveyed the landscape and watched how free agency for veteran players has gone in the last few years and realizes that if there's if there's going to be a good contract to be had, it's probably going to be around here and he should do whatever he can to make it so that that's on the table for him. Now, whether, you know, holding this over their head and preventing them from doing this is something that's going to get them that, I don't know, but at the end of the day, you're talking about a guy who's probably going to be some kind of platoon, spare outfielder, almost like I would equate it to, you know, the basketball player who's a nominal starter, but, you know, doesn't play as much minutes as someone else. If he got traded to a National League team, he'd probably get two, three at-bats in the bottom third of the order and get double switched out in the sixth or seventh inning most days. Is that the best showcase for him? Is that the best use of his time? 
Probably not. So at that point, just write it out here. Yeah. I mean, there it, you wrote a really interesting article um, specifically talking to Adam and Cedric Mullins and, you know, what the future was going to take for him. If Adam well, stayed— thank you. you. No problem. I, I mean, I, like, like I said, one of your aspects, I always read your articles because, you know, they're really amazing aspects. It was really interesting to see Adam open up and talk about Mullins and going ahead in the future. If Jones does stay through the second half of the season— um, what do you think that role and that dynamic looks like between Mullins and Jones through August and September? I'm sure it will be everything everyone will expect it to be mentorship-wise, you know, example-wise. But at the end of the day, I don't, what a terrible thing. But ultimately, the Orioles, at the end of the day, is a terrible thing to say. What the Orioles are going to have to do is, event- is eventually shoehorn one more person into their outfield mix at the expense of someone else. So whether it's Trey Mancini getting more time at first base so Cedric Mullins can play left field where he's probably got a chance to be more of an impact defender than he would be in center field. Whether it's moving Adam Jones to right field and then you have another you know piece of the lineup, whether it's Mark Trumbo or Joey Rickard or anyone, any of these guys, they're all, there's so many indistinguishable corner outfield pieces. They're more worried, it seems, talking to Adam Jones and hearing Buck Showalter talk about it, about the at-bat than who's going to play where. And at the end of the day, I said it again, damn it. Um, <laughs> they, they just have to, it's, it's the same problems. They've known these problems are coming for a long time. Let me ask Five you. Five of their top eight prospects are outfielders, and most of them play in the corners. And they've done nothing to create any kind of spots for them. If anything, they made it more difficult. And the one thing that could make an easy spot is for Adam Jones not to be there, and it looks like he's going to. So it's a problem they, I'm sure, have seen coming. And they still don't have an answer to. So, John, at the end of the day, are there too many outfield prospects <laughs> in the system to make a reunion with Adam Jones a likely scenario for 2019? I think so. I think so. When you, or I should say, it depends on who's calling that shot. You know, I met someone who works, you know, as just like a. This is probably two or three years ago, the first year of the Chris Davis contracts, 2016. Someone who works as kind of like a like a bird dog for Scott Boris. If the teams have like good prospects and Scott Boris doesn't have them signed, you know he he goes back and says, "Oh, you know this guy could be somebody we target on this team, or this guy could be someone we target on that team." And as the Chris Davis is a roundabout way of saying this, as the Chris Davis you know negotiations were getting going, Dan Duquette was telling Scott Boris that you know you better come around to something easy because we got this guy Trey Mancini who's going to do exactly what Chris Davis can do for a fraction of the price. So we don't need Chris Davis. That was the Orioles stance for a long time. And obviously we know that ownership intervened and Chris Davis got his contract, but not before Scott Boris called this guy who was responsible for telling him about all the players in the Orioles organization and asked him, he got really mad. He said, who the F is Trey Mancini? And why don't we have him signed if he's this good? But it's a roundabout way, I guess, of saying that the Orioles will view the guys they have as better options than paying a veteran a lot of money, no matter what that veteran has done for him. I think they've shown that, in good ways, they've shown in bad ways. They've followed through on it. They've not followed through on it. But if they're really trying to cut payroll, paying Cedric Mullins six hundred grand is going to be a lot better than paying Adam Jones ten or twelve. All right, let me ask you this: um, We can be as snarky as we want to be here on the podcast, um, but for you guys, for the beat writers, what are the challenges of covering a team that has just thirty-two wins in late July? How rough is it? to to constantly come up with content that discusses a team that's playing this way and how difficult is it to deal with the either listenership viewership or readership that is as frustrated as they are right now sorry sorry you're asking in terms of like how do you like writing stuff or yeah yeah for you guys i mean how, so, okay, how, so yeah the technical, so the lay, technical lay down on the couch I, we I, want to know how you're feeling yes prop your feet yeah, up and just no, let's, I, let's do pillow talk so in terms of like a daily content thing I don't know if I ever established this as like, this is what I'm going to do. But the more I verbalize it, talking to players, people outside, this is what I end up doing. I tried to just write something that was interesting to me in some, I try to do that all the time, but in some way, shape or form, that's not overtly negative before the game. So we have to do a pregame story. We have to do a notebook. We, we have a lot of stuff to fill pregame. And if you're going to go into the clubhouse at three o'clock, three thirty, and ask about, you know, X, Y, Z, bad thing that doesn't need to be asked. Just kind of superfluously, like, you know, go out of your way for something like that. It's going to make things hard because they're going to play a game at 7 o'clock pretty much every night. And 
you're going to get a chance to write about one of the things they're bad at. So you're going to find that you're going to be balanced at the end of the day. If you write about, you know, how so-and-so is progressing, you know, with this pitch or how another player might be heating up or whatever. You could do that before the game. You can attack something before the game and you can still use the game to describe, to talk about how they are, you know, the worst fielding team ever, or their bullpen has no one good besides Richard Blyer or, they have three hits again. Like, what are we going to do? You're going to get a chance to do that stuff all it, the time. It's so, like a bingo card, basically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there were days where it's just like... Let me do ahead there and days con- when, control C and then control V, and you're, you're in good shape, basically. Yeah. I mean, the special days are the ones when they did everything bad, and you could say this was <laughs> this was really bad. And, you know, the players, for the most part, they know. They know. They're not, you know, A, they're not going to read about how bad they are, but B, if they did... Most of the time, if you're if you're honest and say what happened, they're not gonna like they're not gonna come at you. They're they know you you have a lot more freedom. So the writing part was actually fun at the beginning, but I guess to answer the the emotional question is that there's nothing really to separate anything from any other thing. And I'm sure as fans, it's the same thing. But like for me, it's like, what's the difference between the three days in April they got swept in Detroit versus the three days in Oakland that they got swept in May versus the you know the time they lost both games in Philadelphia in like 12 hours, there's nothing to really separate anything. So it just feels like everything has been the same and that's not the best feeling. Yeah. That when they say it's a, you know, it's a marathon, I, I don't think that they necessarily wanted it to be a marathon while you're carrying 1200 pounds and on fire. But, uh, I can tell well, you yeah, as, it's like as running an around a track. Right. It feels a little miles bit like as that. opposed to like, Oh, this is a cool neighborhood and this is uphill and this is downhill. Just running around a track for, for seven months. It's all going to the same place pretty much every night. Well, it is our sincere hope that you will have more interesting things to write about, uh, both at the end of this year and moving forward. Uh, thank you so yeah, I'm much. I'm going to go to Bowie every day at this point. <laughs> yeah. Don't blame you. Thank you so much for <laughs> what you do in the paper and, and providing content for us that is thoughtful and interesting. I can tell you, as someone who's desperate for Orioles news and still mad about last night's game, it is great to go to the Baltimore Sun. At and- the end of the day, John Mioli <laughs> is your best content out there for Baltimore Orioles information. It's true. It's true. <laughs> That's a good use of at the end of the day. <laughs> All right, John, thanks for doing this very much. Folks, if you want to find out right. what John is writing, check out BaltimoreSun.com and also follow John at Twitter at John Mioli. John, thanks so much for coming on Bird's Eye View. We appreciate it. A pleasure. Let's do it again soon. You know, Scotty, it's it's Monday. We're here at SD Studios. We're together again. Um, and so it's leaving me feeling grateful, you know, just for, for everything that we've got here, for everything this podcast is. What and is this podcast? I have no idea. But if it's okay with you, I, you know, I'd like to just run off the script for a second. Do you mind if we just stop and allow me to maybe write out some thank you notes? I, I think I can help you with that all right i'd like to steal directly from jimmy fallon i'm gonna write out a few orioles related uh thank you notes but i I can't do it unless we've got some some thank you music perfect it's perfect thank you jan marinez for reminding me how embarrassing it can be to not pay attention to roster moves for a couple days and have to look disbelievingly at the television and say who is Jan Meniris? I actually have no clue who that is either. Is that actually a real person? Apparently so. Well, apparently he should be thanking us for actually going and seeing him. Marinez? I think I got his name wrong. Thank you, Jonathan Scope, for winning this week's AL Player of the Week. After a disastrous first half of the season, it prompted us to have to trade away your best friend, make you cry make you move into his old locker and assume the power that he had left you. Obviously, Manny's former locker is Castle Grayskull, and you have seized the power, and you are now He-Man. Thank you once again for carrying the torch for all of Birdland. It's a very large card. It is a very, very, very large small card. I had to write on both sides for it. <laughs> Thank you, Victor Victor Mesa for making me think that the Orioles were making up a name when asked which international prospects they were targeting. Is it Victor Square we're going with? 
Victor Victor. It sounds like a code. Victor Victor Mesa. Yes, it does sound like a, a, a code. Thank you, Birdland, for going out there and supporting this team every single night. Oh, who am I kidding? You're only going to come out if, you know, there's fireworks and or are known given out. Although I am impressed that even getting to the game on Sunday a half an hour late, there are still thousands of gnomes waiting for me. That wouldn't have been the case in previous years. Obviously, the disdain and apathy is great this year. But I've got a fresh gnome to thank you for it. Thank you, Baltimore Orioles, for dropping all of that dead weight that was holding this team back. And by that, I mean Manny Machado and Zach Britton. So that you could finally put some wins on the board here in July and August. Jake, I have an unprecedented aspect here. We have a thank you note that was previously written by one of the baseball widows. What? Yes. Is that allowed? Yeah. Let me go ahead and read through it, and we'll see who actually signed this. Thank you, Atlanta, for going out and trading us international draft slot money, but more importantly, getting rid of Janae Cherry Brock so we don't have to hear her awful, awful singing anymore. She's Nashville trash, and we in Baltimore do not want her. Signed, Carrie Magnus. (laughs) To Carrie's credit, I think the end of that may have been somewhat edited. Yeah, it was actually for the better, actually. <laughs> are, are you saying that uh, that we don't miss the magic? Uh, I'm saying we don't miss the magic. <laughs> St- <laughs> stick to Broadway. <laughs> well, uh, Birdland, let us know what you are thankful for this week. Uh, go ahead and tweet us at BirdseyeViewBAL with the hashtag, th- hashtag thank you notes O's. And with that, let's go ahead and do a little good the bad, and the ugly. That's right, it's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. We're going to pick part the Orioles left and right but overall a pretty decent week for the Orioles so uh Jake why don't you go ahead and start off this week for good bad and the ugly I'm gonna ignore this past week and I'm gonna do something that feels wrong yes my good this week goes to Mike Wright yeah now I I just I've been looking back and if you go back well into May back as far as his appearance on May 23rd he's only given up nine earned runs and in the month of June, there was very little. If you if you go back and look at the uh, mop up duty that he's he's been relegated to and what he's done, Mike Wright at this point, as awful it as has been, is down to a four forty five ERA and a four twenty eight FIP. It's almost as if he might be a serviceable seventh man in a bullpen. You know, I, I hate to say this, and it's going to definitely. Um it's pretty much going to be the end of this podcast as it were, but I was listening to Tom Davis and he made an interesting comment (laughs) and it wasn't two for $5 hostess, but he mentioned specifically about the Orioles now needing to go out and find, you know, new arms and potentially a closer going forward. And he mentioned that maybe Mike Wright is that closer option going forward for the rest of the season. Scott, you are, your drink of the week privileges are rescinded. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I'll begrudgingly say he's not been awful closer of the future no no well, closer for the rest of the for the season let's go with that okay what we don't need a closer this team doesn't win that Listen, many games. this team is definitely going to need a closer to blow a game basically so what well, who's better than mike wright that you got yes. me there uh mike wright jr mike he's wright better jr. than mike wright yes all right what, what's your good for the week so i'm going to do a similar aspect and break all the rules and not even just focus on this week well, kind of I am. I want to go with my good, which is AL Player of the Week, Jonathan Scope. But Jonathan Scope has literally resurrected his season, as it were. Over the past 24 games, Jonathan Scope has a 360 average, a 700 slugging percentage, and a 442 WOBA, good for a 184 weighted runs created plus. He is a uh, muy in fuego over the past you know month, as it were. And uh, 
he has raised his uh, weighted runs created plus from, I believe it was in the low 60s up into, I believe it was 90 last time I checked for, for the entire season. So, yeah, Jonathan Scope um, doing pretty well. 17 home runs for the season now. Um, still not going to get to that point where Javi Burns has to, you know, get beer from me. Um, but, yeah, good to see Jonathan Scope contributing. It'd be nice if the Orioles decided to do something with him. I feel like we just crapped on him in the bevies, and he, just despite us, he got better. Good. That time. All right. My bad for this week is going to go to Mark Trumbo. Mark Trumbo is the only regular who did not exceed 100 weighted, uh, weighted runs created plus over the last week to bring him into a average Major League Baseball player. Mark Trumbo is part of the problem looking forward only in the way that they've got to get Mancini out of left. And part of the equation is Trumbo taking up a seat at the DH role where Chris Davis needs to be if Trey Mancini is going to play his his actual position and make room for some of those prospects that John Mioli uh, had referenced. So uh, if you're if you're going to be in the way, you can't be unproductive. And this week he was bad. Yeah, my bad is going to go to Dylan Bundy, who continues to get shelled and can't even improve on the situation of having a start wiped out and still post a horrific uh, stat line. Yeah, he won on Sunday, but the long ball is uh, a prevalence and has been issue for the entire uh, second half of the season. Dylan Bundy does not look like that ace that we saw at the very beginning of the season. Dylan Bundy um, is a uh, long ball Bundy right now. All right, let's go into excuse mode. Sure. Is he hurt? It's possible. Is, is, is it the innings count? It's possible. Is it possible that he's just not as good as we hoped he'd be? That's a high likelihood there. High likelihood there. Man. All right. My ugly is going to go to Michael Givens. Michael Givens, what is your deal? Here's the thing. In 2.2 innings, he has an ERA of 10.13. Just has not been helpful. In any respect. And, you know, he, he was brought in for some garbage time sure. uh, on Sunday when the Orioles were, were ahead and let the Rays get closer before the, the Orioles blew the doors off. But it's gotten to the point where I wonder in what situation you can trust him. And this team needs to unload everybody that's either has value sure, or make way for people that are going to get auditions. And if he can't be in either camp... What are you going to do? The only logical explanation I have for Mike Wright and Michael Givens right now is there has to be some um, freaky Friday situation going on with Lindsay Lohan and Jamie Lee Curtis. I think Mike Wright is Lindsay Lohan and Michael Givens is Jamie Lee Curtis, and they have somehow swapped bodies. And uh, Mike Wright has no clue what to do in Michael Givens' body, and Michael Givens knows exactly what to do in Mike Wright's body. It's the only explanation I have that's scientifically proven. I'm so uncomfortable with where you just took that, and yet it's it's plausible in 2018. Yeah. It could be anything. Uh, my ugly for the week is going to go to the Boston Red Sox complaining about the weather and complaining about how it's unfair to them that they had to deal with rain delays. And it was unfair to them that uh, the game got rained out on, uh, I guess it was on Wednesday night. Boo-hoo, cry me a river. It's MLB's decision to cancel games once they start. And why wouldn't the Orioles try to get a game in specifically with a, a bunch of dogs in the park and B also with a situation of saying, Hey, we really don't want you to have to come back later on. Let's at least try to get five or six innings in before anything goes on. Boston find something better to complain about. Oh, I don't know. You've got plenty of things that is terrible in the city of Baltimore, in the city of Boston to complain about. Plenty of things, except Jake loves Boston. So it was a great week. Yeah. All right. Uh, you ready to blow the save? You got to blow in the save? Absolutely. All right. Let's go ahead and have Jake blow the save. Scott, I, I was so angry and I almost forgot all about it until you used those magical words. Boston Red Sox. Bum, bum, bum. The MLB's official Twitter account this week showed a highlight of outfielder Mookie Betts hitting a home run at Oriole Park at Camden Yards with the text, The House That Mookie Built. It's the house that Mookie built. What in the name of God? And I'm being very careful here so you don't have to bleep anything out. What does that mean? 
And how disrespectful is that? First of all, I I believe that the park is older than Mookie Betts. Secondly, if you look at all the great players that beat up on the Orioles during the Dark Ages, I'm not sure we're at the point where Mookie Betts holds a candle. And third of all, that's really disrespectful to a fan base that is already down. MLB, get your S together. I don't care how pissy you are about the Masson dispute right now. You don't get to kick the Orioles while they're down. The house that Mookie built. Get out of here with that. Yes, he owns the Orioles. Yes, he's an excellent player. Camden Yards is one of the jewels of Major League Baseball. It was wasted for half a generation while the Orioles lost in it. But don't you tell me it's the house that Mookie built. Get out of here with that. Are you done? I'm done. It's not that big of a deal. I was angry. I know you were. And you know what? Talking about it, I got angry again. I'm going to blow the save, too. Do it. So the Oakland A's today canceled their 2019 season ticket program, and the A's will no longer offer season tickets in the traditional format, and they're going to offer a new program called A's Access, which is a membership program moving forward, and it allows for members to get general mission access to every 2019 regular season home game, a reserve seat plan, and significant benefits that are exclusive to members, including... 50% 50% off concessions, 25% off merchandise, parking benefits, and they also can get cheap beer. So uh, I believe one of the ones was you can get uh, $4, 20-ounce domestic drafts, $3 hot dogs, and two fifty sixteen 16-ounce sodas. Uh, this is going to give fans a chance to basically go in, support the team, but really come back to the whole aspect of, you know, saying we want you there as many times as possible. This is the exact plan that the Baltimore Orioles need to roll out going into a rebuild season. Uh, you know, numbers, not my thing. So yes. can I make sure I understand this? Part? Sure. This is not you pay money and you get an, a certain number of tickets. This is you pay money and you get benefits while you're at the park. Yes. And access to buy as many tickets as you want. Yes. And it's also a situation I think would be very easy from a digital standpoint. You say, all right, this is the way we're going to run this. Uh, you get your plan and it's $240. Um, you can get into every game that you want. You will have to sit in the upper reserve. We are going to be sectioning off these sections specifically for general admission, and you can sit wherever you want within these sections. You could literally walk up with your phone or card, scan the card. It says you have general admission. You just walk through. You go in. You go to a vendor stand. You hold up your phone, hold up your card. They scan it. Cool. Your new price is this. It's just like a shopper card, basically. This is a brilliant move. And something that we actually talked about on Sunday saying, I think the Orioles are going to either get into a prepaid like debit card situation or they're going to have to do something like this. I think this is the first of uh, many moves that small market teams are going to do in order to entice a younger generation to come to the park and not have them uh, so much, you know, say I can stay at home and be there. We've talked about how Canyon Yarn specifically for those in their 20s and potentially 30s, if you don't have kids, can be a great opportunity and area to basically hang with people. I can't think of a better aspect to say, I'm going to go in, watch a baseball game, talk to my friends, and be able to sit there and pound back $4 beers than this opportunity. I think this is a great program. The Orioles need to be talking about this right now. And the other thing is, you look at this team rebuilding, going to be horrible. He's horrible now. Trying to get people out of the ballpark is tough. And what have the Orioles done? They've scaled back the benefits for the lower tier uh, season tickets, right? So they've made it less and less valuable to be a 13-game season ticket holder. But they are certainly going to regret that next year. Sure. I was just looking at, at some attendance numbers, and I think the average attendance for the Baltimore Orioles this year is about 20,000, uh, which puts them at 24th or 26th. It's, it's down there. Sure. But they are so lucky that the season tickets were purchased. Absolutely. Right? And they're not going to have that to depend on next year. Next year, the, the numbers are going to be ugly. And I think that what... Well, we already saw a precipitous drop coming into this season. Yeah, but I, it's, it's going to be awful. It's going to be even more so because people were like, well, I'm going to do one more season, and I hope that they make it through and you know gives me one more chance to go to playoffs. Next season, it's going to be, I, I don't see the need to basically pay for season tickets, mm-hmm. especially with kids you're free. Um so, yeah, I think this is a, a program that the Orioles need to be looking at now because as knowing about the Orioles, they don't move very quickly in terms of ticketing plans. 
Um, and I think that, you know, going forward, this is going to be the future for the Major League Baseball and for the Baltimore Orioles in the near future. And I'm sorry, but I think that you can still as a business make money on $4 beer once you get people in the in the ballpark, right? You, oh, you sure. look at these at these benefits, these fringe benefits, and I think that that's the way to do it, right? right. We we just had a, a, a interesting situation with the team where uh, I tried to convert our season tickets over to kids cheer free, had to upgrade my ticket. The, the kids cheer free are more expensive than my uh, season seats for the same seats, um, so I had to pay more money, and then I bought concessions for the kids while we we're there. It's like, dude, you. You're already going to make it. Yeah, you're, you making, are you're making already. plenty of money here. Um, so I think they need to think really hard about how they can drive revenue and balance that with not having an embarrassment of green in the background for these games. Sure. And I still come back to the point of I think Kids Share Free has certainly done that to a certain extent. Um, I just definitely think it's a situation of you're going to still need to pull in that generation that are not just nine and under, but you're going to need to pull in those 20-year-olds the 20-year-olds are really what made the Dark Ages baseball and why when we got to 2012 and above, you saw these individuals in their 30s and 40s still willing to support the team. Now, of course, there was the older generation in the 50s and 60s that were there too, but you need to start you know, habituating that next generation that's going to be part of this team because as John Maioli pointed out, it's been 40 years since Orioles Magic. You know, They need to be able to support this next generation and promise them that uh, hope is around the horizon. And that, that is our show. Remember, you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever it is you get your podcast. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and many others. Please remember to rate and review this show. We appreciate the feedback, and it encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us on social media on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeviewbal. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I'll bid you all a fond adieu adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. So they're done, right? Like, they're no, there's no more trades coming. Uh, meaningful ones? Yeah, meaningful ones. No, they're done. Okay, they're done. But if they do do something, are we actually going to do a recording this week? I did not like doing it by myself. Okay. I'll do it if you were there. Okay. I got lonely, Scott. I got lonely. Yeah. Well. Don't jump off to, don't go off to Aruba. I am your Sundance kid. It's over. Go home. Go.